The content of this recording is copyrighted by Sandler Systems, LLC. All rights reserved. This is the Building Blocks of Success with Glenn Matson. Welcome back to the Building Blocks of Success. So when we're taking a look at this season of the behavior, we've done a great job looking at what are goals, what are our dreams, how to make sure that we understand the difference between the two of them. When we put in goals, how to make sure that we have the ability to look at the eight areas of our lives, break those down into the things that we want, and then prioritize those, put timestamps on them, and convert those into behaviors. So in the past, we've talked about how to have goals and how to break those goals into really daily behaviors, which are quite important. And we've also talked about how to own all the decisions or the lack of that you have regarding fulfilling the plan that you put in place. But it's interesting to find out that how come some of us, well, heck, almost everybody, if you look at motivation when it comes to goal setting, majority of people by by the time February 1st rolls around, almost, almost all don't have any passion anymore to fulfill their annual goals they set January 1st. So if we look at companies, we look at individuals, we look at firms, 70% of the time, they fail to achieve their goals 70% of the time, because the people are not committed to it or motivated based on those objectives. So let's take a look at motivation, right? Because motivation is personal. It's not something necessarily that's a pronoun thing, right? It, it, it's their objective doesn't mean it motivates me. That's why goals have to be personal. Yet when we look at motivation, let's look at a definition, right? A definition of motivation is really like uh, internal or external factors that really stimulate your desire and, and gives you that energy to do the things and continuously do the things that either your job calls for, your role calls for, or whatever you need to do calls for, right? So it's internal and external really stimulation that keeps that energy going for you to do the things you're supposed to do. That's motivation. Now, there's lots of different motivations. We're going to talk about those and you can look them up online, but I have found the ones that work best for me are what we call six motivational factors. So we're going to go through what they are, what they mean, and how maybe you can use those inside your own life. Because look, each year we profile salespeople and individuals and management leadership and entrepreneurship to get a sense of where their competencies are, the behaviors that make up those competencies and their growability. And it's interesting, we'll do roughly 10,000 of these profiles a year. And one of the things that we find that I wanna share with you in the podcast is, is that a majority of the individuals that when we profile, one of the things that, that pops up or an item is identification of motivation, meaning do they actually know what motivates them? And you'd be shocked at how many people don't really know what motivates them. So I want to walk through what I consider the six motivational factors, discuss them, have you listen to it. I want you to contemplate, are these things that are motivating for me? Are these things that float my boat? Now realize one motivational factor you, I'm going to speak to you about may work in one area of your life, but may have no bearing in other areas. Sometimes you'll find that one of these motivational factors may not be strong enough to, to, to really push the tipping point, but two to three of them together may be. And for some people, they look at motivation as, as a seesaw. And that seesaw is, well, neutral motivation is a seesaw that's just flat. But if we have the right motivation, it will go up and down. And then it becomes momentum. And that momentum keeps it moving. 
So it's that really motivation for the most part for many people is the energy needed to take the initial action. Uh, and then for most, once that initial action starts, the momentum of the results and other pieces keeps it going. Also, some people, when they get knocked down by not getting the results they want, uh, is where sometimes they confuse motivation with discipline. But we have to realize that motivation is temporary. Motivation is inconsistent. When we look at goals in our behavior, remember we talked about in the triangles that we have vitality, guts, and then discipline. Well, vitality is the energy and the emotion to maintain consistency and perseverance and et cetera. Motivation uh, is having the ability to make sure that you do your daily plans. And so we have guts. That's really about motivation, is having the courage and the fortitude to push through. But we also have something that's really important because motivation is temporary and motivation is inconsistent. That's the reason that triangle has guts and discipline. So when motivation stops or motivation hinders us, then what happens is accountability and discipline takes over. So that's why you hear an awful lot of things on social media, especially if you're looking at Navy SEALs or other individuals like that, they will look at it very confused in terms of the motivation. They say, what does that have to do with anything? What does how you feel have to do with anything? If your plan calls for you to get out of bed at four o'clock, then you get out of bed at four o'clock. That's what the plan calls for. Why are you even thinking or feeling about it? Your feelings have nothing to do with what the plan calls for. Yet most of us, when we look at what we're trying to achieve, our feelings come first, right? It just shocks me every day that people will have a plan and they say, well, I just don't feel it today. I want to make sure we're abundantly clear about something. How you feel, right? doesn't necessarily, you're not going to feel better. You know, we have in the wrong order, meaning that people will say, I don't feel like it. So therefore I'm not going to do it. I'm going to turn around and tell you that you need to do it. And once you do it, you may feel better about it later. So for instance, action will break paralysis. If you have phone reluctance sitting there and saying, okay, I will dial the phone when I feel better is not a recipe for success that's ever going to work. So if you're sitting there staring at the phone, the goal now is not necessarily to set up three appointments. We've talked about that in the past. The goal always is behavior-based. Behavior-based is the number of dials you have to make to get your goals. So when you're looking at this thing and we have motivation, right, discipline, we have to have the ability that sometimes we choose because we don't feel like it. So when you don't feel like it, I just want to make sure that everyone understands on this podcast that I appreciate that. I think that's fantastic, but I don't care. If your plan calls for it, you do it. That's what the plan calls for. Remember, action breaks paralysis. Action breaks paralysis. So if you're paralyzed and making a phone call, the goal is actually dialing the phone. I could care less if you talk to someone. I could care less if you set the appointment up. That's not the problem. The problem is picking up the telephone. So we have to have the ability to understand that feelings have a great piece to this, but feelings are so overrated sometimes when we look at goals. Some of us, especially younger generation, allows too many feelings to dictate our actions. Our actions are not dictated by our feelings. A lot of times it's the other way around. Your actions will dictate your feelings. So when we take a look at this, let's go through some of the motivational factors. But I also want to take a look at how we utilize our time. And there's something in Sandler that we call the trouble line. And the trouble line is really about where we spend our time and how we spend our time. 
So we're going to talk about both of those today. Let's jump into the motivational factors real quick. There's a six of these. I'm going to explain what they are. Take a look at each of these as I go through it. See which ones may hit home for you. You may even want to write them down. You feel free to look them up if you want to. Uh, they're called six motivational factors. Uh, as you know, I've been coaching and training people for over 30 years. So these are the ones I have found that have the greatest impact. These are the ones that I look for when I talk to people and I'm trying to get that tipping point so I can poke the bear to get them to be their best version of themselves. So here they are in no specific order. The first one is reward and incentive. Reward and incentive motivation. That basically says, I want to get X. I want to get X. So therefore, I'm going to do Y. So reward and incentive is, I want to get X. I want to get X. So therefore, I'm going to do Y. So for me, for instance, reward and incentive was really an, an amazing thing where um, I wanted to have a certain car by a certain age. So that was reward and incentive. I wanted the ability to get in that car, have that car, wanted that car. Uh, so I was willing to do X, again, all legally and morally and ethically. So reward and incentive. I want to get blank, so I'm going to do Y. Second factor, besides reward and incentive, which is a huge one for a lot of people, and a lot of people believe it's reward and incentive, but at the end of the day, I want to get isn't as strong as maybe they thought to drag them over their fears or their comfort zones. So sometimes they have to add other ones on top of it. So let me give you number two. The second of the six when it comes to motivational factors is achievement. Achievement is a little different than reward and incentive, right? So achievement is I want to achieve X, and that could be a triumph, that could be an award, that could be public recognition. It'd be very interesting things. I want to achieve X, so I'm doing Y. So maybe that's at work, you have a level of production. Maybe they're at work, there's a certain level of producers that you want to be part of. And that group, that click is great to you. Maybe that you want to be on stage to be recognized as. Maybe you want the award of being the producer of the month, et cetera. Whatever comes with that. So achievement is, I want to achieve X, and that motivates you. That, that, that desire of being of that achievement and, and winning it, I mean, is very important. So those are two that are, are quite strong for many people, right? Reward and incentive and achievement. That's why companies have trips around for some of the best people. That's an achievement trip. There are individuals that have, you go to some of these trips and they have lanyards on with all the different awards that they have, right? Those are achievement. Every single lanyard you get or every award that you get, a little tag makes it farther and farther. You see some of these people walking around and their lanyards are like literally three feet long, right? Those are all achievements. And everyone stares at him and goes, ooh. Another motivational factor is called fear of consequences. And fear of consequences is I want to avoid X, so therefore I'm going to do. Fear of consequences is looking at your spouse's eyes and not having the ability to pay rent or pay the bills. Having the ability to look at your kid's eyes and saying that you spent too much time at work, not enough time with them, and that was a choice, and you didn't do the things you were supposed to at work because you're being wimpy, so it took longer than it should have, right? So there. It's a consequence. What about embarrassment? Embarrass yourself or others. Like many people that reached a level of achievement one year, and then they have a massive fear of consequence of not getting back there the second year. I don't want to be seen as a one-hit wonder. So sometimes, again, they're combinations. So of the six, we have reward incentive, we have achievement, and we have fear of consequences. And if you really listen to them, it's about the words we use, right? I want to get is reward and achievement. 
I want a, a reward incentive. If you say I want to achieve, and that's a specific award, etc., that is an achievement motivation. I want to avoid is fear of consequences. Let's get to the next one. Fourth one that we're looking at, which I think is, is misunderstood and it's very powerful, is the motivation of power. And what I mean by the motivation of power is an individual who says, I want to feel strong. I want to feel influential. I want to feel that I have impact. I want to feel in control. So those individuals historically had a lower self-esteem. They became successful. They want to be the center and, and they want to have influence on other people. It's not a negative thing. It's not saying that they're arrogant by any means. But if you take a look at individuals that felt uh, they were not in control, felt like they were being dictated all the time, felt afraid, many of those individuals are motivated by power. And it's not saying that they are arrogant, but it's about, I want to feel in control. I want to feel strong. I don't want to feel meek anymore. I don't want to feel like a second-class citizen anymore. It's power. It's a very strong motivational factor. So, so far we have reward, incentive, achievement, fear of consequences, and power. The fifth one I want to share with you is social factors. So this is a very, very strong motivational factor. So social factors is I want to have a sense of belonging. I want to be part of a group. I want to be part of a, a, a status area. So for instance, inside your company, you may have levels. Well, you may want to achieve that level. That's your achievement motivation. But while you're at that area and you're in that level and you go to the pub and now you're part of that group, a little different than everybody else. And everyone comes up and talks to you because you're part of that group. It has a lot to do with social factors. So what motivates you? Is it reward incentives? Is it achievement? Is it more about a sense of power and control? Is it social functions? Maybe it's consequences. The last one is growth. When we look at motivational factors, the sixth one, growth motivation, are individuals who have a consistent feeling of improving, changing, and growing. It's not about having more. It's not about being and earning more. It's about how good can we really be? So maybe this individual, sake of discussion, made 100,000. I'm going to turn around and say, well, if I did 100, why can't I do two? And two turns into five, five turns into 750, 750 turns into a million, a million turns into a million five, which turns into a million eight, which turns into three million, which turns into five million and so on. It's not about when's enough's enough. There's nothing to do with that. It has to do with how good can I really be? If I can do this, why can't I do that? I have plenty of people that are very successful entrepreneurs. And they will hire us to get them to the point of being a mayor. And what a mayor is, is the last stage of an entrepreneurial, where their business runs without them. The decision-making, the values, what makes the business the business is no longer the entrepreneurial. They're not the epicenter anymore, but their blood and their DNA runs through the business so they don't need to be there. But their mind is, why can't it be? Heck, I have one person who continuously wanted to grow their practice but while they were decreasing the amount of time they worked. So I have them where they take off every summer, completely off. They're off every Thursday and Friday, and they don't work much during December and January. So in essence, they have about a five-month work year, yet they still produce the same amount of money, if not more. The business is growing, and it doesn't need them. So when you look at your motivational factors, which one or two or three do you think you have to add together? Look. 
you all know that I play lacrosse in a pretty competitive men's league and the motivational factors. If I haven't been playing for a while, which I am right now in a position I haven't been, I have to get back in shape again. So is it the achievement? Hey, I want to be, you know, I want to be the best in terms of, of, of class, most right. Physically ready for to play. Nah. Do I want the reward? Hmm. Right now it's a fear of consequences. I don't want to embarrass myself out in the field. I don't want to be running around and letting my guys down. I don't want to let my goalie down. I don't want to be embarrassment. So the fear of consequences will get me out of bed early in the morning. And as I start to run, start to get in shape and you can feel it going, then it turns to power, which is I want to feel strong in the field. I want to feel like I used to be able to play. Well, the power then helps me in other areas. So when you're looking at your motivational factors, look at how some of them may play tag with each other in your motivation. Second piece I want to spend some time with today is time. There's only so, many, so much time in the day. And where we spend our time and what we do with our time has a massive difference in a success or not. We call it the trouble line. And the trouble line is what separates what we call paytime activity from no paytime activity. Now, this little exercise I'm going to walk you through, I do it with almost every single one of our clients. It increases effectiveness. It increases efficiency by 30 to 40% right off the bat. It's insane. The trouble line is not knowing the difference between what's paytime and no paytime and spending the wrong time doing the wrong stuff. If you put a simple T-bar on a piece of paper, on the left side, write down paytime. On the right side, write down no paytime. Just start jotting down all the activities you do a day. It's crafting emails, going on to LinkedIn, responding, calling the home office, following up on certain things. You can create a list of probably 80 things that need to be done every day. But are all those things critically important to do in what order? So we have what's called paytime and no paytime. Knowing the difference is critical. Let me give you the rules, then we'll work it backwards. Do paytime activities during paytime time. Do paytime activities during paytime time. So what's a paytime activity? Paytime activity is something that 100% directly connects to the results of your objectives, not getting you ready to get the results. So for instance, if going on LinkedIn and searching 8, 10, 12 people's names because you want to get a feeder list because the client you're talking to, you want to ask for a referral. So instead of just asking for a referral, you want to go on LinkedIn, create a feeder list, print out those names, and then have the referral talk. Well, going on LinkedIn, looking at their profile, and downloading six or seven names, would you consider that paytime activities or no paytime activities? It is no paytime activities. That getting the list is getting you ready to do the paytime activity, which is asking for the referral. So asking for referrals is paytime. Going on LinkedIn and getting the names is no paytime. Practicing your script, no paytime. Going on LinkedIn and looking up the person's name before you make a phone call, no paytime. Making the phone call, paytime. What about product knowledge? What about going to classes? No paytime. Doing what they teach you in the class with the right person at the right time is paytime. So you have about 50 or 60 things that are no pay time and about four, maybe five that are pay time. The most successful people 
do the, the pay time activities first. And when they have time, they do the no pay time. In essence, their pay time is their big rocks. They do them first. And the majority of their day is pay time. No pay time activities for unsuccessful people are done first. And when you have the time, which is rare, you will do the pay time activities. And the crazy thing is people that choose to do this, it's an avoidance technique, yes, but it's also guilt-free. Let's talk about someone the other day I had that three reviews they had to get ready for. So they had to prep the reviews, they had emails to write, they had to take a mini course, they had to get some statements, they had to get done. All these things were in preparation for a meeting they had that day. They also had to ask for referral and dial the phone. Well, at five o'clock rolls around, they're exhausted. They did their day. They accomplished all their no, their no pay time activities. But what they say to themselves when they're doing their better, more indifferent is, well, I didn't have enough time to get the other stuff done. That's BS. Everyone has the same amount of time. You chose to use your activities and your time doing no pay time activities. It's busy work. That's what you hire staff for. Very important work, but not at your pay grade. What about case design work? This is always a tricky one. Let's suppose you're talking with someone and you have a discovery meeting. You go back to your office. You're taking the information that you had in that meeting. You're starting to create a proposal. Creating that proposal, is that pay time? Practicing your presentation, is that pay time? Not a chance in heck. No way is that pay time. That's no pay time activity. Actually doing the presentation is pay time. So when you look at your day, look at all the things that you have to do, and this is a great, oh, we spend so much time on this when we're doing live sessions. Because what are activities that you have to do every day? What side of the fence do they go on in terms of the trouble line? Pay time or no pay time? Your list is going to be very short on the pay time side. Then ask yourself and timestamp it. When am I doing these activities? And then when time allows, I'll do the no pay time. You're going to see your productivity go through the roof. I have some people will say, well, I'm going to do these five things on the right side before I do anything on the left side. The right side is your no pay time. Now I always sit there and say, hmm, why? The things on your left side are the things that generate revenue. These are the things that move the needle. These are the things that quite honestly, you need to do to generate your business goals to be accomplished. So you can hit your personal goals. So when we look at pay time versus no pay time, Remember, do pay time activities during pay time time. The best time for you to prospect is between 11 and 12. Then you prospect between 11 and 12. Don't make your phone calls between five and six when no one's there. So you can say, oh, I did the activity, but I get the results. Again, guilt-free. It's ridiculous. Be very focused on understanding time, energy, and effort to generate the results. Understanding what motivates you is critical. Understanding how to use your time is everything. That's the one thing that we can't manipulate or change. It's always 24 hours in a day. You get to sleep for some of it, spend time with people on the other one, doing some personal stuff on the others, then you're at work. And your no paid time activities for most people never goes away. I don't know about any of you, but hundreds of emails every day we, I get. It doesn't go away. I could spend all day doing nothing but just responding to emails every day. That's not necessarily a pay time activity. So don't get stuck in busy work that keeps you busy, but doesn't make you profitable. Be very focused on what generates income. Be very focused on what's paid time activity. Be very focused on when 
paid time activities should be done in your world because it's different. I have some people that sell medical devices. Their paid time activities are honestly between five in the morning and 8.30 in the morning because that's when surgeries are being done. And they're in the operating room with the doctors. So they're up every day at 3.30. Now, if you go talk to someone in construction, maybe different. If I have someone in pharmaceutical sales or if I have someone in, in high-tech sales, if I have someone who does financial planning, they're different times. Know your time, maximize your time by spending your pay time activities during pay time time. Do not avoid doing those activities by being busy and no pay time activities. Be crystal clear. What motivates you and how do you maximize your time? As you're starting to take a look at behavior, and mastering your ability to control what you do on a daily basis, making the choices that those things that you choose to do are going to get you either closer or farther away from your goals. Realizing that on the path to goals, you're going to get knocked down. You're going to have exit ramps that are going to get you off course. Accept them, lean into them, and then keep moving forward. Understanding what motivates you is critically important because sometimes we get stuck. Sometimes we hit the mud. We hit the mud, our tires spin. We have to understand what bear to poke to get the wheels to move again. And don't pay the mental game by thinking that you're working when you're really hiding. And hiding happens when we spend too much time doing no pay time activities. You know deep down inside what you have to do. You know when you're avoiding it. You know when you're not doing what you should be doing. You want to call it procrastination, call it anything you want. But understand how to manage your time and maximize your time. One of the greatest ways to make sure that you can execute your plan. So moving forward in your behaviors, moving forward with what we have. Stay motivated, but understand when motivation leaves us, that's when discipline kicks in. Sometimes it has nothing to do with how you feel. This is what I need to do, and therefore I'm going to do it. And stay focused on your paytime activities. Take a look at the next session, Building Blocks of Success. This is the Building Blocks of Success with Glenn Matson. 